Hey, everybody. Hey, all right, all right, all right. Didn't drive down from Fresno for lame, so all right. So I want you guys to, you know, let's, let's pretend like we're excited to be here tonight. I think you guys are. Hey, uh, super huge privilege for me to um, fill in for, for Pastor Jeff. I guess this is one of the first times that he's been away. Uh, and I know I started a church uh, within a church many, many years ago that Cheryl was a part of. And I know that those first couple of months are just like, is anyone going to show up? You know what I mean? And then the first time you go away, you're excited to go away, but you're freaking out. And so I'm just, uh, it's a super huge privilege um, to be able to be here. Uh, it's also a bit of a risk. And let me tell you why. And the reason is, is because I just got back from spending 10 days in Israel. Okay. And so here's going to be your challenge. Um, I have like 400 slides that I want to show you from Israel, right? You know, and, but I'm not going to, okay. I, I don't want to be that weird pastor guy that you don't know, but all of a sudden starts like going through all of his Instagram photos. And so, uh, but I got to let you know, uh, it was, uh, awesome. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity uh, to go to Israel, if you've been there before, but it will revolutionize how you see um, faith. It'll revolutionize how you read God's word. Uh, and a lot of times people say, did you feel like safe when you were there? And I need to let you know, if you know anything about safety, go to Israel because they will straight up profile you. And it's, and it's like a good thing there, right? And so they're, they go out of their way to make sure that we as, as Americans especially feel safe there. But I need to let you know, when you are, um, when you are walking where Jesus walked, and you are seeing where he performed miracles. Um, and, and tonight, um, uh, Pastor Jeff wanted me to uh, open up God's word. If you brought your Bibles or if you have your devices and you wanted to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Um, they say a, a picture is worth a thousand words. So I had to pull out one picture. This is not the dreaded slideshow. There's one picture. Okay. And I think it's going to come up on the screen right now. But that right there um, is the Sermon Mount. And this is where many people believe Jesus would have, not for an evening, um, not for an hour before dinner, but maybe over the course of weeks, months, he would have had a series of messages, which we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And it would have been, uh, can you go back to that screen? You can leave the lights up, but go back to that picture one more time. I just wanted to kind of point it out. It's there it is right there. Behind there, the body of water would be the Sea of Galilee. Um, and it's not very big, um, but it's... Uh, it's, it's there in the distance and there would have been this mountainside and it would have been, uh, pretty close to a city called Capernaum where Jesus did many of his miracles, where he would restore sight to the blind, uh, and he would heal people and he would teach and he would proclaim, uh, the love of God that he had for his people. And so I just want you just for a, a moment to imagine that, that we're kind of sitting on that sermon mount and we're opening up God's word. And I paid like a dollar fifty more for my translation of the Bible and um, so whenever Jesus talks, it's in red, okay, which is super helpful. And when you like look to Matthew chapter 6, there is a lot of red ink. And it actually starts a couple of chapters before that where on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about really our attitudes that we need to have in life. They're called the Beatitudes. You guys have heard of those before. You know, and blessed are the people who live this way because if you live this way, God will bless you. And Jesus goes on to just kind of talk about kingdom teachings. He, he talks about our, our lives being different than the world's, being like salt and being light. 
And in a lot of ways, Jesus flips the thing upside down. And he talks about the, the fact that we're um, with our thoughts. We're to be pure with our thoughts. And uh, we're to love not only those who love us, but to even love those people that maybe we refer to as our enemies. And that's hard. If you try to love your enemy lately, not easy to do, I might add. Um, but in addition to that, uh, he would even go along the line and say that we, we're not to, to love money. And, and I don't know about you, but you hear a guy that you don't know that well, and he's talking about loving your enemy and not loving money, and he's talking about being different, and, and he's threatening to put more slides on the, on the, you know, behind you there. Some of you are probably, you weren't worried before you came to church, but now all of a sudden you are worried. You know, you're scratching a little bit. You got a religious allergy going on right now. But what I wanted you to know is, is that tonight's message is about one word. And you guys are in a series of messages. We're calling it resolutions. And what we're doing is, is we're, we're kind of getting back to the basics. And there's one of those resolutions that I want us to resolve. And that is, is to walk not by fear, but to walk by faith. And that we don't need to be afraid. And a lot of times what we as believers do is we, um, you know, we're, we're afraid that maybe God's not worried enough about the things. And so we're going to help him out with it. But what he says in my Bible is he says in clear black and white, do not what everyone worry. Do not worry. So that's really all I wanted to say. And I'm just going to go ahead and grab some food and go home. Because that's the message right there uh, in a little bit um, of just a summary. Don't worry. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to dig into God's word and I'm going to read it. And then on your way in, um, uh, the, the welcome crew gave you guys an outline and that's really as much for me as it is for you. Um, I just want to make sure cause there's not really a clock here. And so, um, I'm like, I figured, you know, go for about an hour and a half or two tonight, uh, get you guys out of here for dessert. So, uh, um, tell you what, my jokes are a lot funnier than your response. Uh, so, uh, pretty tough crowd here. All right. So, uh, all right. Here we go. Matthew chapter six, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or your body, what you'll wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why? Do you worry about clothes and flowers that fields grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now, what's happening here is, is Jesus is beginning to talk about worry. And for the first time, he's associating what the cause of the worry is. And it really is a faith issue. He's saying a lot of times in the areas that we're afraid, it's because we're not fully trusting God in that area in our life. He goes, he goes on to say this, you of little faith. So don't worry. Saying, what are you going to eat or what are you going to drink or what are you going to wear? He goes on to say, for pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. And then the famous words that Jesus says, you've probably heard before. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things. They'll be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of itself. 
So what I wanted to do is I just wanted to kind of walk through this passage with you. If you have something to write with, I've got some fill in the blanks. Maybe you might want to fill in some notes, you know, on your, on your, uh, your phone or whatever. Um, because what I want to do is I just want to look at worry. And I want to look at where does it come from and how can we acknowledge it. But, but what I want to do is I just kind of wanted to start out with these first couple of verses. And I just wanted to make some observations. And um, kind of they all kind of are unwords. And so if you're taking notes, what I want you to do is just kind of start off this first one. Worry is unreasonable. Uh, maybe write that down. It's unreasonable. Meaning is it, it really doesn't make sense. It really is rooted in fear. It's not reasoned. Now you might think it is, but it's really not. Let me reread verse 25 there on your notes and in your Bibles. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear, is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? You know, there are some of us, and and we may not have gone to college and gotten a degree, but we feel like we've earned a degree in worry. You know what I mean? I mean, we really think about things, and it keeps us up at night. Sometimes we find ourselves waking up in the middle of the night, and we don't exactly know why, but we find ourselves just kind of going through the list of things that we really are worried about. Does anybody kind of want to just own it and say, yeah, that's me? Anybody here at all? Okay, good. That's like more than just me. So good. We're not all in denial. See, a lot of us feel like the things that we worry about are the things that we can change. But the truth is, is that we oftentimes can't. How many are just a little bit, just based on what you saw last week, worried about the stock market in your 401k, right? Anybody at all? It's like a 201k now, right? You know, so uh, some of you are a little bit worried about what you're seeing in the economy. But truthfully, what can you really do about that? Some of you have been traveling. I know I just got back from spending time in Israel. Um, I, I was in Turkey. I was in Istanbul. Uh, Cheryl shared with me, it seemed like Brent, wherever you went, there was a terrorist attack after you left there. And I'm like, well, thank you. Uh, um, no, it wasn't me. Uh, but, you know, but I think we can go through life and we can be worried about even leaving our houses because of the events that we feel like we can control. But can we really control those events? Yes or no? Absolutely not. We can't. But we worry about it. I know some of us are worried about the upcoming election. We are. And I'm not going to get political, but there's some of us. We spend great amount of time worried about what's going to happen next. But is it really helpful? Not really. It's kind of like what my mom used to say. It's just stewing without doing. We're just thinking about it, and it causes us panic even thinking about it, but we can't change a single thing. And I know many of us in this room are parents, and a lot of us are worried about what our kids will do or won't do. Can I hear a good old-fashioned amen to that? Amen. But we can't. We can't control our kids. We can raise them up in the ways of the Lord, but at the end of the day, they're going to do what they're going to do. And we have the responsibility to choose how we're going to respond. So a lot of us, we're professional worriers. We're helping out God because it seems like he's not worried enough and doing anything about it. But can I tell you that based on scripture right here, when Jesus says, therefore, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, some of you are thinking, but those are pretty big deals. What I'm going to eat and what I'm going to drink and what I'm going to wear. But I'm just looking at you all and you all have clothes on right now. Thank God. Every one of you has probably had a meal or two, and some of you, maybe more than that. You're going to have another one in just a little bit. Do you really believe that God will take care of your needs? Yes or no? Yes. But a lot of times we convince ourselves, no, no, he won't. And that's where the unreasonable part of worry comes in. It begins to convince us that things are appearing real, but they're not. And that's fear. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. 
And at the very root of worry is fear. And some of us needed to be reminded tonight that it's not reasonable. If you're taking notes, I want you to write in number two. And that is this, is worry is not natural. If you would, write that down. Worry isn't natural. Now, I need to ask you a question. When's the last time that your dog was worried? Your dog's not worried. I mean, he's wondering when you're going to play with him again. Have you seen a worried cat? I haven't seen a worried cat. Have, has anyone seen a worried bird lately? Besides Big Bird, that doesn't count. Big Bird always seemed a little agitated. I would too, though, if I was Big Bird. How about, how about a worried cow? I've seen an agitated cow. It's like, milk me, please. But we know California, happy cows are in California, right? What we know about every created thing in the world besides human beings is nobody else has the capacity to worry but who? Us. It's not reasonable. Every other created thing except for you and me doesn't worry, but we do. It just doesn't make sense. Look at the birds of the air, Jesus says. None of them are worried. Do they sow? Do they reap? Do they stow away in barns? Absolutely not. They have very little to do with the deal, but every one of them is fed. And if your heavenly father is going to feed them, how much more valuable are you than them? Isn't it good to know everybody that there's a reason, belief that you can have that God loves you, that he knows your name, he cares about you, and he'll take care of your needs. Do you believe that to be true today? Absolutely. Some of you needed to be reminded of the fact that you don't need to worry about that because God will take care of your needs. Number three, if you're taking notes, write this down. Worry is unhelpful. Would you write that down? It's just not helpful. At the end of the day, Jesus is saying in verse 27 and leading on forward is this, is are you going to add anything to the quality of your life by worrying? This is how he says it. Can one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Yes or no? That's called a rhetorical question. Nope. Verse 28. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? Do they not labor and spend? I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now, I just got back from Israel where I had the opportunity with my own eyes to see Solomon's temple. And I need to let you know that this thing was beautiful. It was huge. Just Google it. It's amazing. And, and all of the splendor of everything that Solomon had when he made the temple there in Jerusalem and, and the wealth that he had... It was all man-made. But the beauty of a sunrise, the beauty. Did any of you see the snow-capped mountains to our east? I mean, Visalia is looking pretty beautiful today. Chamber of Commerce Day. And you know who made that? God. God made that. And there's many of us that we, at times, we just get so worked up. And at the end of the day, worry really isn't helpful. Why? Because we don't come up with a solution. And when we're worried, we don't, we don't really progress. We just get stuck. And we get paralysis by analysis. We find ourselves lost. We find ourselves slipping back into fear. What Jesus says is, don't worry about it. It's just not helpful. And number four, worry is just not necessary. It's unnecessary. Every one of us, we've, we've eaten today. Water is available for us. And as we like to say sometimes in the church world, man, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. He's going to take care of all of our needs. At times, we're going to have some things that we want, but God knows what our needs are. Um, this is what Scripture says. It says this. Um, it says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the fields or how God puts snow on those mountains, and if we could make it rain, we would do it all the time, but only God can do that. 
which is here today and tomorrow it's thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? In essence, what Jesus is saying is, is this, is that everything God has created, there is a pinnacle of his creation. And it's not an animal, and it's not a mountain, and it's not water. Guess who it is, everyone? It's you. And it's me. Did you know that uh, in literature, it's called in, in Latin, it's called a mago day. It means that you and I have been created in the very image of who, everyone? We are God's precious, precious gifts. And he loves us dearly. Did you know that he loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we could have life? And I need to let you know that for people that don't know where they're going to spend eternity, I need you to know that that's something to worry about. But those of us who have put our hope and our faith in a God who has lived a perfect life, died the perfect death, defeated death by resurrecting to life on the third day, we don't need to worry about anything. Amen? Amen. Guys, when you put it right down to it, God is good all the time. And it's just not helpful. It's not necessary for us to be afraid. Guys, I need to make a confession to you, and that is this. I'm a recovering worrier. Um, I don't know exactly when it was, but there was a time in my life, I'm just going to say maybe 10 years ago, where um, I just kind of shut down um, on, on trusting people. Uh, maybe it's because people let me down. Maybe it's because life didn't exactly work out the way I thought it would. Maybe it's because I had expectations and then I came crashing into reality. But I found myself kind of living in a perpetual state of fear. You see, I didn't realize it was fear at the time, Um, uh, but my counselor quickly identified the fact that I really struggled with fear. Um, The the symptoms that I struggled with were um, control, though. Uh, Would anybody just be willing enough to admit that maybe you feel like you might have control issues? Can I see some hands in the air? All right, a couple of you. Mike's like way in the back there. All right, I see that hand. You see, we don't like to say the word control. We like to say things like, no, I just like things to be done right. You know what I mean? Uh, we, we don't like to use the word control. We just like to say, you know, I just, I just, I just have high standards. And I just, you know, I, I, I'm not a perfectionist, but, you know, maybe a step down from that. Now you're a control freak is what you are, right? And that's okay. There's hope, right? I'll give you my counselor's num- number. He'll help you out. And, uh, you know, what I realized was is I had just become paralyzed. I had become afraid of life. I, I found myself waking up in the middle of the night struggling with sleep, uh, really struggling with um, wanting to have intimacy in my relationships. And my wife's here tonight. She'll testify. I was not a super fun person to be around. And here's the crazy thing. The crazy thing is in life and professionally, um, I had achieved everything that I thought I ever wanted to achieve. My bucket lists were for the most part checked off. And I found myself miserable. And the reason why I was miserable is I just hadn't realized it, but I was just afraid. And what uh, being afraid did for me is it just kind of made me kind of like suck up within. And all of a sudden, I just didn't trust anybody. And I became much more of a micromanager. I became controlling and I became a worry wart. Um, Not a great way to live. I began to lose hopes. I began to lose dreams, the visions that I thought that God gave me. I began to question well, thank God uh, there was a group of people kind of came alongside of me and helped me kind of walk through the process. And it wasn't, it wasn't a couple weeks and it wasn't a couple months. It was well over a year of just going into counseling and, and getting accountability. And I'll never get the, uh, forget the opportunity where my wife and I had the opportunity about three and a half, four years ago to go to Israel for the first time. I just went to the, for the second time just this last week, but about three and a half, four years ago. 
we went to Israel. And that picture that I showed you on the screen wasn't from this trip, but it was from the trip four years ago. And I'll never forget what happened. What happened for me is, is I, uh, I was on the Sermon Mount and I opened, up, um, I opened up the passage that we just read. And God spoke to me in a very, very, very powerful way. But you see, he didn't speak to me in a powerful way until I was in a situation where he had my undivided attention. Have you noticed that before, everybody? Sometimes we're not going to learn the lessons that we need to learn until we got nowhere else to look but up. We don't really see the light until we feel the fire. Well, for me, what it took was it took going out of my comfort zone and flying all the way across America. I flew from Los Angeles, and, or I think we flew from Portland, don't know, to New York, and New York, to Istanbul, Turkey, and then Istanbul, Turkey, to Tel Aviv, Israel. And somewhere along that line, imagine that, my luggage got lost. And so here I am, I'm in Jerusalem, and uh, in Israel, and I have no luggage. And on that first night, come to find out the next day was an Israeli Independence Day, which is a little weird because the fireworks went off at midnight, and I thought we were taking on fire in the West Bank, but that's another story altogether. And so that was a holiday, and so there's absolutely no way for me to go to a grocery store because they take their holidays very seriously in Israel. They're a celebratory group of people, you know. And so the next day after that, I'm looking forward to getting maybe to a grocery store or maybe to a department store and picking up some, uh, some deodorant at least or a pair of underwear or whatever. Come to find out it was the first day of Sabbath. And in Israel, they take their Sabbaths pretty seriously, pretty literally. Like they close everything. And so here I am. I'm three days into my six days in Israel, and I still have no clothes. I have no luggage. And did, did, I, did I tell you guys that I was a little bit of a control freak? Did I mention that, everyone? I struggled with a little bit of anger issues as well, but we worked through that by that time. And I realized I was in a situation that I found myself thinking, am I going to go the entire trip in Israel wearing the same pair of underwear? You know, that, that trip, we were traveling with a group of pastors, um, not too unlike the trip that I just came from. And an amazing thing happened on the first day of our trip when the word got out that I had lost my luggage. Um, every morning I would get uh, out to my, uh, um, our door and people would uh, just spontaneously leave clothes uh, in front of our, our door. And some other people left some deodorant. Another person left shorts. Another person noticed I was looking kind of scruffy, so they left me a shaver. It was a pink one, but whatever. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and shaving cream. And I need to let you know, for four days in Israel, where I had no luggage and I had no way to control me getting clothes because everything was shut down, I need to let you know something. God provided for every one of my needs with his people in his way. And, and that, was, that was something that I hadn't quite realized because I was pretty frustrated at the time. I was pretty inconvenienced by the circumstances and I was getting pretty worked up. But as I was uh, sitting there on the Sermon Mount as we're getting ready to go into Jerusalem, I opened up the scripture that we just read. And it says, why do you worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear? And, uh, and it just dawned on me that God had provided every one of my needs. I couldn't spend money. I couldn't make a phone call. But God, through his incredible love and through his body, the church, provided for my needs. That's good news, isn't it, everyone? God used that as an opportunity to grow my faith. 
Can I give you a definition of what faith is? It's there in your notes. Faith is trusting in the promises and the power of God. Faith at the heart of it is trusting in who God is, living in his world and choosing to live his way. Faith is so much more than I have faith. Faith is trusting in who God is and his promises. Can I tell you something, everyone? When God makes a promise, he never breaks a promise. Ever. It goes against his very nature and his very will. So let's take a look at God's promise right here. Verse 31. Notice what Jesus says. So don't worry saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? He goes on to say, for pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. I don't know if you know recently like what a definition of a pagan is, but here's the definition of a pagan. A pagan isn't a person who just lives a defiled life. You know, like, oh, pagans live in Las Vegas. No, that's not what a pagan is. A pagan is a person who believes that there's a God, but doesn't believe that that God cares. That's a pagan. A pagan doesn't believe that God cares. I think, and I'm just going to maybe potentially step on a couple toes. I think that maybe some pagan theology has kind of stepped into some of our lives. And that is, is the reason why we worry is because we don't believe that God cares or that God's aware. And kind of let you know that God is aware of, the, of the, the birds that are flying and the grass that is growing. How much more aware do you think he is of your situation, your circumstance? I just want to speak life into you right now. And here it is. God is deeply aware and God will always provide. But his timing is not always our timing and his ways are not always our ways. But God is never late. He's seldom early. He's always on time. So I just don't want you guys to worry. I know that there are some situations and circumstances right now that they're bigger than you can control. And I just want you to be reminded that God has it covered and he's wanting to grow your faith. What's faith? It's trusting in the promises and the power of God. I put a Bible verse there on your notes as we're getting ready to kind of close this out. And it comes from Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 that says this, that God will meet how many of your needs, church? All. God's not going to meet some of your needs. God is going to meet all of your needs according to the riches and the glory of Christ Jesus. If it's his will, it's his bill. He's going to take care of it. And he doesn't need you to worry about it. So let me wrap this up. We're doing a series called Resolutions. And I want you to resolve with me this year to live a little bit differently. And here it is. Here's the next step. This year, resolve to worry less and to trust more. Worry less and trust more. Well, we don't need to worry. God, it's, it's, it's in the very, very, very capable hands of God. Remember that, that song that we had seen in children's church growing up? He's got the whole world, what, in his... Do you guys know that even though you've grown up and we're big girls and big boys now, did you know that God still has the whole world in his hands? Do you believe that to be true? He knows and he's aware And he cares. Let me wrap up by reading this final passage here that says in verse 33. So let's seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
you know, um, Jesus kind of the, the antithesis. If there's like a center of this text, it probably is up there between on your notes, between worry is unnecessary and faith is the promise and the power of God. This is what Jesus says. He says, it really is a faith issue. You of little faith. Next verse, he says, what? Don't worry. Um, going back to my time with Dr. Steve, as I close up, I think we're going to finish up with the final song, right? Um, uh, for about a, for about a year, um, Dr. Steve would, uh, he would let me just kind of talk about how my week was going and what people had said and done and how I was working through it. And he would ask me every time a question. So what are you worried about, Brent? What are you afraid about, Brent? And it'd take me a while, but I'd come up with it. I'd realize what it was. And we'd kind of come around it and he'd say, Hey, Brent, by the way, false evidence appearing real. You don't need to be afraid. And then he would uh, say to me, hey, Brent, do you, feel like, do you feel like God is smaller than your problem that you're dealing with right now? And I'd be like, no, God's bigger. Do you feel like God cares and he's aware? Yeah, he is. So when you leave here today, Brent, you're going to have a choice. You're going to choose to walk by faith or you're going to choose to walk by fear. But you cannot walk by both fear and faith at the same time. You have to choose what it's going to be. So you're going to walk by fear? No. Are you going to walk by faith? Absolutely. How do we know that? Did you know that in the sovereignty of God, that God in one way or another says 365 times, do not be afraid in the Bible. That is one time for every day that God makes a promise that you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to worry. That's good news, isn't it, everyone? So what are you going to choose to do today? Are you going to choose to trust in positions? Are you going to choose to trust in possessions? Are you going to choose to trust in people? Or are you going to put your trust in a God who loves you, who created you in his image, who knows what your needs are and wants to grow your faith this year? Let's pray. So God, as we now respond to your word that um, I've tried to open up, my prayer is that you would grow our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, that we would be a faith community that loves you with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And God, that you would more and more teach us to love our neighbor as ourselves. God, I thank you for this, this community that's birthing here in this orchard that we would continue to grow in, in, in favor, not only with you, but with others. And God, would we be the salt and light? Would we be not a perfect community, but a community that chooses to walk with you and to grow with you and to love you? My prayer is that we would all resolve this year to worry less and trust you more because, God, we cannot walk by both fear and faith at the same time. We do not want to be a fear community, but we want to be a community of faith. So, Spirit of God, would you have your way here in our lives? You know what our needs are. You know what our concerns are. You know what we want to control. And would you just remind us that we don't need to, we don't need to worry. It's not helpful. It's not necessary. It's not natural, God. You've created us to be loved by you forever and ever. So we give you this last song as an opportunity to extend our hearts your way and trust and believe that you care and you're aware. If you believe this prayer, would you join me by saying amen?